Let's start with some prayer, please. Dear Lord, thank you for another day of life, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to gather here. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Lord, thank you for Jesus Christ who advocates for us. Lord, thank you so much for your word that we don't have to walk in darkness. You'll lead us to truth. Lord, I pray that uh, you'd give the words that you'd want me to speak today uh, to bless and edify the body of Christ. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The title of my message today is, Do We Need the Church? Thank you. Does the church save you? Anyone? No, no. okay. Um, and we know salvation's not th- through the church, right? Salvation comes from faith in Christ. And um, so, you know, we know that for grace we are saved through faith, right? And it's not of our works. It's a gift, free gift from God. So once we're saved, why do we have to come to church? Why can't we just stay at home? Oh, I have, I have the Bible. I'll stay at home. I can just be a Christian at home. Why do we need to meet here? And why... I don't know if I have all these answers, but why did Christ set up the church? So that's what I'd like to look at today is um, we don't see the church in the Old Testament like we think of it or we know of it now, right? It was the Israelites, the Jewish people, chosen people, and it never talks about the church. And they don't even say church, right? They're going to, they meet at the synagogue or at the temple, but we have church as Christians. So most of, most people know this, um, this verse, but from Matthew 16, 18, and this is a little bit of the background here, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So this is actually the first time that Christ talks about the church. And the term was in use already, but it was not like we think about about church now. And it was also kind of a little bit of a play on words right, because Peter means stone, and Christ is saying, here, basically, I'm going to build my church. 
And we already know from scripture that Christ is the cornerstone of the church. So I forgot to look at, to see if this building has a corner, cornerstone, but the cornerstone is usually a big stone, however big, and that's where the start of the building's going to be. So we put the cornerstone here, then you run a plumb line this way and a plumb line this way, and we're gonna, every brick in that building is based on the cornerstone. And Christ is the cornerstone of the church. And he is building the church. So, <clears throat> if we look at, um, well, I'm going to use this verse, 1 Peter 2, 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. So before it was the Jews, that's who they were talking about. But now it's the church. And in Acts 10, we won't turn there because you know the story, but in Acts 10, remember um, Cornelius uh, was given a vision, right? Hey, go to Joppa and meet up with Peter. And then Peter, Meanwhile, at the same time, this sheet is being lowered down, uh, you know, and then, then God says, you know, kill and eat. What God has cleansed, don't call unclean. And there were a couple of meanings of this. You know, one is maybe dietary, but the other was, meanwhile, Cornelius is coming to meet up with him. And Cornelius was not Jewish. He was a Gentile. So basically, everybody who's not Jewish is a Gentile. So now Cornelius, who found favor in God, God's eyes, right? He prayed a lot to God. Hey, meet up with Peter. And Peter's saying, hey, what's going on here? Um, but God said, I'm going to build the church. And the reason... Like I said, there are a couple other meetings, um, but as far as all of a sudden, now you have, after Christ left, now you have Jews and Gentiles thrust together into the church. And you have the Gentiles have no basis whatsoever of the Jewish faith. I mean, maybe they believed in one God, or maybe they didn't, but they came to Christ for salvation. Now you have this church, infant church, being built by, or you know, built by Christ, but it's thrust together the Jews and Gentiles. And you have a clash of everything, a clash of cultures, you have a clash of how we see God, or how they saw God. You have people like from Acts, you know, remember um, Mars Hill, right? The um, stone that said, to the unknown God. So now you have people that don't have any idea whatsoever, and you have 
Jewish people that have been totally trained in the Old Testament, and they're thrust together to build the church. Let's go to, this is a familiar passage, but let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, please. First Corinthians, oh, sorry. First Corinthians 12, uh, start reading from verse 12 and to 27. We know, we know this, but I'm going to read it anyway. Uh, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are all are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, it is there is it therefore not of the body? And if an ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body, it is, therefore, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, and it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are there many members, yet but one body. We'll stop there. So here, you know, it talks about the Jews and Gentiles, bond and free, all in the church. So one thing that is not mentioned in this passage is a joint. Part of the body, uh, if you think about the joints, right, elbows, knees, they have to flex. What good would the body be if the joints didn't flex? And so maybe you have, you know, the Jews here and the Gentiles here. They have to come together. They have to flex and work together. So, the maturity in the church came through the differences of the people that were in the church. So, let's go to um, Ephesians, please, verse 2 or um, chapter 2, Ephesians 2. I'm going to read from verse 16, and we'll continue into chapter 3, 2. So Ephesians 2, 16. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. 
and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. Okay, far off, the Gentiles. Them that are nigh are the Jews. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Both the Jews and the Gentiles have access uh, through the Spirit to the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto the holy temple of the Lord in the Lord, in whom ye are also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is coming into the members of the church. And when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about Christians all around the world, in every nation, every country. And um, if they're truly born again of Jesus Christ, faith in him. I'm going to continue a little bit uh, until verse 3. For this cause I, Paul, chapter 3, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. We'll stop there. What mystery? What mystery, Paul? Are, that you're talking about? Well, the mystery is the church. <clears throat> uh, let's jump to uh, verse 10. <clears throat> To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So this is, the church is a mystery that was not revealed until Christ came. Actually, I should have read verse 4. Um, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So, before... Upon the foundation of the world, God had planned the church. God had planned to build a church. But it wasn't until Christ went away that the mystery of the church was revealed. And one of the main reasons for the church, we have many reasons for the church, but one of the main reasons for the church is as a witness to spiritual principalities and powers. It is a witness 
of God's miraculous plan and the mystery that he has revealed to show people that are um, spirits that we don't see how great God is and to glorify him. And the church is full of imperfect people, but God, that was his plan. He said, this is what I want to do. And he took the Jews and the Gentiles and all the people that want to become Christians or that are Christians and bring them into the church. <clears throat> Let's continue. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this was God's plan. The church is God's plan. Other, you know, as far as it's a witness to principalities and powers, but it's also a witness to the world. You know, we have to think of ourselves, the church, as a city set on a hill, you know, showing light and truth. <clears throat> of course, the church should be rounded, rooted and grounded in love, and we are to walk in love, light, and wisdom. Uh, verse 12, yeah, verse 12, uh, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So we have, we talked about this in Sunday school, we have access to God the Father <clears throat> and we can come with boldness because of Jesus Christ. So this is a new era. It's a, it's a new era when it comes to how we relate to God. So in the past, it was, it was priests to go to the priest, right? Or make a sacrifice, make an offering. And then the priest will bring your request to God. But now we don't need that because Christ is our high priest. And we can go straight to the Father with boldness. <clears throat> uh, verse 13, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So Paul's saying, this is not necessarily easy. Okay? This isn't going to be an easy street, but it's worth it in the end. <clears throat> Verse 16, please. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So the Holy Spirit, which we've been talking about, which has been neat because we saw it in the song this morning, and also what Isaac read in Sunday school, the Holy Spirit strengthens us and guides us in truth. So Christ, I'm going to continue on, but Christ did um, many miraculous things, right? Walked on water, healed people, turned water into wine. I mean, 
There's a whole list of things that he did. But he said that the church later will do greater things than, than he did. What is that? What can it be that's greater than those miracles? Well, what about the Holy Spirit dwelling in each one of us in the church? That's, that's a miracle. Not to mention the fact that the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at any time and all the time, whereas Christ was limited by his human body when he was here on earth. He could only be in one place at one time and only affect, you know, maybe hundreds or thousands of people that were around him, but not all around the world to millions and perhaps a billion people. So that's incredible. Verse 17, did I read that already? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. It's, it's amazing that the love of the Father can be with us and with the church. And that he can make his abode with us. Verse 18. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height? And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye may be filled with all fullness of God. So the width or breadth is all of humanity this is available to. The length for all of eternity and the depth reaches to the highest glory which is incredible. The greater miracles are spiritual. The Holy Spirit is available to everyone. It's a chance to be born again. This is a miracle. The eternal value that it has, that he changes us and that we see him changing others too, which we wouldn't be able to see necessarily, if it wasn't for the church, if it wasn't for Christians gathering together as a body of Christ. So I get to see my brother Dave grow over the years. We get to interact with each other. We have the fellowship of that. We also um, help us build each other up in truth. So it's uh, a huge benefit that we can lean on our brothers and sisters to not go astray. That if each of you are in the word and each of us has a Holy Spirit, then we can be led as a body to truth and not to mention a witness for him. Uh, verse 21, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. This is a main, the main uh, focus of the church 
is to glorify God. Not to mention that he can work through the church and um, so that his will would be done here. So if we go into chapter 4, the main thrust of chapter 4 in Ephesians is talking about unity. So how do we get unity when you have all these different types of people? And here, most people that we relate with are pretty similar to us. But at the beginning of the church age, it was not that way. And even now, look at the frag fragmentation of the body of Christ throughout the world, or just look in Cheyenne, right? God's plan is unity of the church. And I think that we often have a perception, this is my viewpoint, that, oh, because they're different from us, we need our own fellowship. Or we can't really fellowship with them because they don't really agree exactly like we agree. This happens all the time. And it's been a tragedy because God desires unity. And the early church think, okay, they were really close to Christ and the apostles and the ministry. Not a lot of time had gone by. But God's plan was to thrust together the Jews and Gentiles who had nothing really in common at all. And yet they, because of Christ, they helped build the church and started the church on the direction for the future as a witness to God. So we have a real problem, I think, of unity because we think we have to be all alike, but that's not really God's plan. So it's like the joints working Verse, we're going to just start with verse 2. With all, uh, this is uh, Ephesians 4, 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. We're to forbear and work together with each other. And I'm not, this is not a criticism of our church body here. I'm just talking about the big picture. Uh, we see this fragmentation all the time. Verse 4, um, yeah. All right. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Just because a church down the street we don't really deal with too much, it's, it doesn't matter. It's one God, one Lord, one baptism. There's just one body of Christ on the earth. Verse 7, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. God gives us grace. 
And grace is what helps us to work with one another and to build each other up. God, God's means of achieving unity include the differences that we have. And it's one of those things that so often happens with Christianity. It's almost illogical, right? You know, up is actually down. Down is up. And here, it's talking about the differences in the body are what builds the body. It's, it's actually amazing. God gives, a, God gives us different gifts and different purposes. So, verse 11 And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So God gives us different gifts. You know, we think about the hand and the eye and the body and the joints and things. In reality, that's just the picture. But in reality, we all have different gifts. Uh, and it doesn't mean that because I don't have certain gift that my brother can't have that gift. And hopefully, my brother has that gift so that we can work together and come together in unity. So the differences or the gifts that God, the different gifts that God gives us, he uses. He uses to build up the body for the edifying of the body. Verse 13. So we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the plan is unity. But like I said before, using the gifts that God has given us, uh, enjoying and learning from the differences that we have among ourselves, and the people around the world who are Christians. A unity of the faith. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Our job as a church, as members of the church, are to guard against these deceiving spirits. We don't want to be tossed about to and fro. We want to keep the ship upright and follow the Lord to avoid deception and falsehood. Verse 15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So we're to speak truth one to another in love. We should be encouraging one another. We should be coming alongside our brothers and sisters and spurring them on to finish the race 
and to encourage the, um, the church. Uh, jump over, if you would, please, to, well, I'll just read it. 2 Corinthians 11.2, talking about the, the church as the bride of Christ. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin, virgin to Christ. And then Revelation speaks of the marriage of the church and the Lamb. So not only are we to work together and build up the church, but we also have to remember that we're the bride of Christ. And I don't understand the whole concept of that, but one thing that we want to present to Christ is a chaste, like a chaste virgin, right? Pure and holy. And Christ will give those robes to us, right? The shining robes. But at the same time, as a church around the world, Christ's church, we are to be pure and spotless, okay? So we have our job to do as much as we can, and Christ will come along and totally cleanse us. Uh, so let's, I'm going to turn to, I'm sorry, I'll just read it again. Uh, Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. This is kind of a conclusion here. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. So let's hold fast the profession of our faith. Let's provoke one another to love and good works. And let's not not meet for church. So yes, we meet here and Sometimes I talk about um, the fellowship, but this is not necessarily a salvation issue, but it's extremely important to God for us to meet and come together as a church body. And there are other things, you know, there's church discipline and fellowship and social aspects and things like that. But the main reason God wants a church is to make, show a witness to spiritual realms and also our community, the people in the world. And so um, it's just find it fascinating how key and how important the church is and how, okay, it's not a sin to miss one Sunday, okay, but it's important to God uh, that we meet together and that we um, trust the church, trust our brothers and sisters that they're following the Lord too, 
walking in the Spirit, and uh, we can provoke one another to love and good works. And don't forget, differences are good. Differences are good for maturity of the church. Thank you.